Hello and welcome. You are listening to Patrick Boyle on Finance, a podcast exploring ideas from quantitative finance, examining events occurring in markets right now and financial history to see what lessons can be taken away, including interviews with some of the most interesting people in the world of finance. To learn more about the podcast, visit onfinance.org. I probably don't need to tell anyone in my audience what Bitcoin is or explain much about blockchain technology. I recently posted an investing survey and more of my audience than I expected are cryptocurrency investors. Not surprising, perhaps, as Bitcoin has rallied from around $7,000 last year to around $50,000 today, a sevenfold increase in one year. A move like that does tend to draw some attention. Even if you have no interest in Bitcoin, you may have heard that Bitcoin mining is energy intensive and therefore not good for the environment. You might even have heard that Bitcoin mining currently uses more energy than the entire nation of Sweden. At a time when we're told that we desperately need to cut back carbon emissions, many are asking if it makes sense to devote a Sweden's worth of energy to a new form of currency. I should be clear though, that not everyone agrees that Bitcoin mining and blockchain technology are bad for the environment. Some of the people reaching for a new green future, including Elon Musk, Kathy Wood and Jack Dorsey, are also cryptocurrency enthusiasts, and this has confused some of their environmentalist followers. A month ago, when Elon Musk tweeted that you can now buy Teslas using Bitcoin, people replied to his tweet with, Why not cut out the middleman and install a petrol engine in the thing? Well, a few days ago, the people at Square, Jack Dorsey's fintech company, and ARK Invest, Kathy Wood's tech fin company, released a paper entitled Bitcoin is Key to an Abundant Clean Energy Future, attempting to make the green case for cryptocurrencies. I'll put a link to their paper in the description so that you can read the whole thing. Along with the paper, ARK Invest published their open source model, or Excel spreadsheet, showing how their green case for crypto works. The paper has two clearly defined sections, with the two separate firms, Square and ARK Invest's branding attached to each section. It's pretty clear when you read it that not only was it written by two different groups, but that the two different groups didn't necessarily read each other's sections, given the extent to which the two sections conflict with each other. As a bit of a spoiler, the ARC open source model, or spreadsheet, is almost as good as the one that they published a month ago explaining their $3,000 Tesla stock price target, which was a great model other than that they got the fully diluted shares outstanding number wrong by around 125 million shares, which at their price estimate is only around $228 billion, which I get the impression they feel is just a rounding error. That model also included that Tesla would become the most profitable insurance company in the world in four years' time, despite not being in the insurance business today or setting aside the capital required to enter the insurance business. But we shouldn't fuss over details. So what is Cathy and Jack's green argument for Bitcoin mining? And should they actually get carbon credits for their green investments? Well, they argue in the paper that Bitcoin miners are a unique energy buyer that can choose to draw from the grid in a highly flexible manner. 
that crypto miners are location agnostic and require only an internet connection. They go on to describe how solar, wind and other green energy production can be intermittent, meaning that the energy they supply is often not aligned to grid demand. They argue that Bitcoin mining combined with solar and wind production and battery storage could be configured into a business model to deal with this inconsistent energy production. They project significant further declines in solar and wind prices based on prior 20 to 40 percent cost declines for every doubling in capacity. And they project that lithium ion battery costs, which have already fallen quite a lot, will fall an additional 80 percent in the next few years. I'm not sure that these are reasonable assumptions, but equally it's not my area of expertise. The authors at this point quickly flip Bitcoin miners from being flexible and mobile users of power to setting them up in the solar and wind power generation businesses. The miners no longer move quickly to where power is cheap. They now build massive green power stations. Their argument is that Bitcoin mining could eventually transition to being completely run on renewable energy in the near future, while simultaneously producing the entire energy grid's electricity needs through wind and solar power production. And at this point, things become more confusing. The paper is packed with assumptions and projections that don't really reflect the way things work at all today. They initially pitch combining green energy generation with battery storage and Bitcoin mining rigs, such that more green energy will be generated, some of which will be stored in batteries to better match supply with demand, the rest will go to the grid, and that only excess power will be used to mine doggy coins. Don't correct me on my pronunciation. The mined doggy coins will improve the investment returns for green energy project investors. It's then explained that the new solar power stations might be used mostly to mine cryptocurrencies, but if the price of power surges like it did in Texas a few months ago, they can sell power back to the grid when it's more profitable to sell electricity than to use it for crypto mining. So we've leapt from them using the excess for crypto mining to only selling the excess to the grid when the grid can pay more than producers could earn through their mining activities. Like I said, though, I'm not sure that the two teams of writers read each other's work, which might explain some of this. ARK Invest argues that renewables can right now only satisfy 40% of grid requirements. But with crypto miners running all of the grid's power production, they could provide 99% of today's total power needs, while mining very flexibly and only in off-peak times. The Excel model upon examination shows crypto miners becoming absolutely massive energy producers. Miners, which the authors refer to at one point as having an unlimited appetite for energy, can supply just under today's energy needs by generating nearly six times the grid's full demand level of power. They show that a system like this can meet 90% grid demand with only one third of the capex being spent on crypto mining. So based on capex, you're mostly in the power generation business. But in order to generate enough power to supply the grid, you have to generate six times the energy that's being generated today, with five-sixths of that 
being used on mining. Based on use of power, you're mostly in the crypto mining business. If it is profitable to produce six times the population's current power needs and to use five-sixths of that or 83% of the power to mine bitcoins, why stop at that? You have to wonder how much of the planet does ARK Invest propose to cover with solar cells? There's a built-in assumption that these greener forms of energy have zero impact on the environment, that you could produce six times as much power as we're using today, using green technology, and that there would somehow be less environmental impact than producing one-sixth the power under the current approach. While these methods of generation might be more environmentally friendly than the traditional approaches, they're not that much more environmentally friendly. The model seems to advocate a dystopian future where more and more green infrastructure is put in place with the majority of the power generated being used just for crypto mining until we reach a crescendo where if you crawl out from underneath a solar panel you risk being hit by the blade of a wind turbine. This is their green case. As we dig deeper into the model, I'm confused by the author's assumptions around the profitability of the two businesses being run under this one umbrella. If crypto mining is such a profit center, you have to wonder why the miners would supply any of the electricity generated to the grid. The public would have to rely on the miners' altruism to slow down mining when the public needs power, only resuming when the sun is shining and people aren't yet running their dishwashers or charging their Teslas. Cathy Wood and Square's paper argues for huge increases in crypto mining. They envision energy companies who deploy software that decides in real time the best use for each newly created electron, whether to use it, store it, or mine it. They explain that new chip foundries will be needed to meet the surge in demand for mining hardware. Huge amounts of lithium extraction would be needed, which requires half a million gallons of water per metric ton of lithium extracted to build batteries. Huge numbers of solar cells and wind farms would cover the planet, and rivers would need to be dammed to generate hydroelectric power. After reading the paper more than once and looking at the model, it's not really clear to me how the environment would benefit from all of this production. I'd love to hear your thoughts on how this might work in the comments section, as I imagine that many of you do know a lot more about crypto mining and green energy than I do. I guess the core idea that they have is that money made from crypto mining will make more green energy projects viable, speeding up the transition to a greener power grid. But of course, the problem is that so much of this energy will then be used for mining crypto, with only the leftovers being available for charging Teslas. There's a wonderful circularity in their forecast for an abundant clean energy future. Well, you might ask, if that's what the future is going to look like, what does crypto mining look like today? Well, as mentioned earlier, Bitcoin mining operations worldwide are reported to consume energy at around the annual domestic electricity consumption level of the entire nation of Sweden. A single Bitcoin transaction uses the same amount of power that the average American household consumes in a month, which is around a million times more energy than a single Visa transaction consumes. 
Kathy and Jack are correct, though, in their description of crypto miners of being quite flexible and that they are an energy buyer of last resort. Bitcoin mining operations do tend to search for the cheapest electricity that they can find. And for this reason, around 70% of the Bitcoin mining happening today takes place in China, where electrical power is cheapest. Russia is also a major Bitcoin mining center, as is Iran, where electricity is subsidized by the government. Are these countries at the cutting edge of green power generation? Not exactly. Around 80% of China's electricity comes from coal-burning power plants. As you can imagine, the power grids in Russia and Iran are not a whole lot greener, despite Iran's notable efforts to begin nuclear power generation. Some mining operations have, as mentioned in the paper, moved to mining behind the meter, which means generating their own power rather than plugging into the grid and paying retail power prices. Greenridge Holdings is a good example, a Bitcoin mining company in upstate New York who bought up an old power plant. They plan to double the output of the station this year and double it again next year, drawing anger from locals and environmental protesters. Andrew Yang, the former presidential candidate now running for mayor of New York, said that he plans to turn the city into a cryptocurrency mining hub. On the other hand, my favourite candidate for mayor of London, Count Binface, has said nothing on this topic. His much more sensible political platform is largely based on moving the location of the hand dryer in the men's room at his favourite pub in Uxbridge to a more sensible location. And additionally, he's campaigning that no shop in London should be allowed to sell a croissant for more than one pound. Vote Binface 2021. See you later. Bye. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe so you're notified when a new episode is posted. Thank you to everyone who is supporting this content on Patreon. If you enjoyed this content, you can find more like it on YouTube, on the Patrick Boyle on Finance channel, or follow us on Twitter at Patrick E. Boyle. Thanks for listening. Bye.